the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Welcome back to Black and Right. I am your co-host today, along with the Pida. Pida, reintroduce yourself to the people. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. DJ Skogsberg, also known as the Pidoc. I am completely irrational, but still rely on the numbers. All right. Uh, full disclosure, the Pidoc has set the agenda. I don't know anything. I'm just along for the ride. No pressure, Roland. Thanks. Nope. I, I appreciate that. That's all right. You running the show today. Now, I may be a counterpunch. I may be a chili. It depends on the issue. Well, you know how I am. I want you to pull out your pom-poms and get ready. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> all right, Pida. Uh, first issue up at bat. Yeah, I, you know, I, there's been a lot of discussion uh, about um, hypocrisy, uh, both in the media as well as with how the Department of Justice is handling a variety of issues at the federal level, and specifically with the difference between the Trump and Biden administrations. And one of the things that really sticks out for me is Biden's collusion, if you will, with Ukraine in pressuring the firing of the prosecutor general uh, of Ukraine prior to taking office. And uh, I've got an audio clip so we can actually listen to that phone conversation. And then I want to come back and, and, and ask you a couple questions. Okay, let's do it. Convincing that, that we should be providing for loan guarantees, and I went over, I guess the twelfth, thirteenth time to Kiev, and uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee, and I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Well, there's still, they, so they made some genuine substantial changes institutionally and with people. Yeah, and see, there, there's there's the problem, Verlon. Here's one of the challenges that I have. Now, that wasn't the actual phone conversation. If you search uh, on the Internet, you can actually listen to Biden's phone conversation with Poroshenko. But this is a perfect example of where he's bragging about his gross abuse of power in order to control the government of a, of another foreign body. I mean... How is this any different than Russia trying to come in and take over Ukraine? Yeah. 
that's the truth. I mean, for him to sit up there and say they fired him and they put in somebody solid, like he approved of it. Well, you know? And to me, it smacks of bribery. It is bribery. Right. I, I mean, how, how, how does that not disqualify Joe Biden to be president of the United States? There's so many people that's I mean, willing to look the other crimes, way. crimes, misdemeanor, bribery. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about it. Reasons, I, reasons for impeachment. Yes, that is. I, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's but, so, it's so many reasons to impeach Joe Biden. So, so I guess, I, I guess, Michael. Well, we we could talk all all day and night about that. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts about if there were so many different types of behaviors that Biden was demonstrating prior to becoming president, as he was either a sitting senator or as as sitting vice president under, under the Obama administration. How is it that the Department of Justice is not taking action in order to hold this individual accountable for the for their own behavior? Well, I think they're still going going by that rule. You can't indict a sitting president, can't charge him. That's what they're doing. You know, uh, Garland, is that his name? Garland? Yeah, Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. Mm-hmm. He hasn't come on TV and said that like Barr did. Right. You know, he's not. He's, Barr said, we just don't do it. So that's probably the reason why he's not going to be indicted until after his presidency. But what they need to do right now is just impeach him. But, they have enough evidence to impeach him. But the federal government went after Nixon. Yeah. They, but, but, and, and I mean, yeah. So it would, yeah, there was a break and ender. And yes, right. they, they had, had audio tapes. This man is, by his own admission, is guilty of bribing a foreign official in order to abuse the, 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 the government of another uh, uh identified independent nation. But what are you going to do if the DOJ has a policy that says while he's sitting in that seat? Well, they have a policy. Right. Rules for thee, but not for me. Well, they're not going to do it. No. They they didn't, they didn't uh, indict Trump while he was sitting in the seat either, but they did come after him afterwards. They did. They did. Now, speaking of Ukraine, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was um, NATO membership. Now, in, in listening to a lot of the news clips that have been out there, I, I, I know that um, Z- I know that uh, Zelensky is really pushing for membership, and I, I know that that there um, has been um, uh, support from the member nations. We're at what thirty-one member nations right now with with NATO, um, but I understand the concern primarily with Article Five of. Um, the, Explain the, that to the, the people. The NATO pact. So Article 5 specifically states that if one of their member states is attacked by another nation, that um, it's kind of like, you know, hitting your little brother. If somebody comes up and hits your little brother, well, the rest of the family's jumping in. Well, and that's basically the premise. The other 31 nations would be obligated to to jump in and, and fight in defense of Ukraine. So I understand that given the pending conflict between Russia and its illegal attack on Ukraine, why it's understandable that the other member nations do not yet want to vote yes and bring Ukraine in, but would rather wait until the conflict is resolved. I get that. My question for you is, there seems to me to be other underlying issues regarding Ukraine's entry into um, NATO, and I, I wanted to know your thoughts on that. It's a corrupt country. It's just as corrupt as Russia, but that's not my issue. My issue is you, you're going to make me agree with Joe Biden and I don't want to. It will be, <laughs> it will be World War Three because you got to remember something. Russia and China works together. North Korea going to do whatever China say. Iran can't wait to make an axis of evil. You've got countries out there that will band together and 
prove Joe Biden right, and it will be World War III. You don't want that. Well, and don't forget, I mean, you're you're looking at the development of the new Axis powers with the BRICS um, uh, uh, group. You know, you've got Brazil, Russia, India, China. Look at that. Yeah. and and You don't want I, that. It, no. You don't want that. You got to let them finish this out, try to negotiate, and whatever happens, happens. If, if Russia takes back half of Ukraine, so be it. But you got you can't start this war. I hate war, man. As so much death and innocent people are gonna get caught up in it with the cluster bombs. It's gonna it's gonna kill innocent people. It's gonna be all crazy, man. And our people, I don't want to send our people across the seas to die for for their war. Right, right. Yeah, we'd be looking at another Vietnam, another Korea. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, well, what's the 3,000 troops going over there for? Right. Now we're just admitting that we we fighting the war for Ukraine. Well. It, not only that, but, you know, you've, you've got Biden here again in another situation where there's, you know, complete hypocrisy. He was completely against um, the use of cluster bombs by another country. And now he's sending cluster bombs over to Ukraine for their use. Oh, well, there's less of a likelihood of having residual duds, but there's still the risk. And you said it was wrong for another country to use the cluster bombs. But it's okay for the United States to send them over to Ukraine. I I just I, I don't get it. Man. No, they're not, they're not supposed to use. They're not supposed to be getting used anymore. Right. But you know, you can do what you want when you're president of the United States and the most powerful uh, country, country in, in the, the world. world. Nobody's going to say uh, let's stand up against them. They just won't. Oh, but before I get, if you want, before I forget, if you want to join the conversation, it's three one two six four two fifty six hundred. Yeah, I, and I would love to have uh, listeners call in. Um, I actually was going to text my children and, and say, hey, you need to listen to the radio show today. And, of course, <laughs> me having the old dad brain, I forgot to mention it to him. So um, my son is actually still at work right now, but I'm hoping that uh, that he'll he'll jump on uh, the radio and, and listen. Um, listen, there there are uh, a number of other topics, and I know you mentioned you know kids going over to um, war. And in yeah. one of our later segments, um, we're going to be talking about how – as part of the DEI uh, amendment um, for the Department of Defense under the NDAA, uh, which is pending in Congress, um, Representative Tim Burchett of the state of Tennessee actually uh, talks about requiring anyone who identifies as a male uh, to register for selective service. So that includes anyone who um, is either transgender uh, transitioning or has gone through full um, uh, transition, whatever the case may be. Um, so we're going to talk a, a little bit more about that later on in the meantime um go ahead, go ahead. no 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 okay i'm, sorry. I, I'm, I'm talking uh, no you're good you're good in in the meantime we're going to be uh taking a short break coming back after break and we're going to be uh hitting up conversation about blexit and lexit especially as it relates to a recent georgia democrat who switched parties you're listening to black and right on am 560 the answer with the pie doc and the troublemaker verlon galloway we'll see you back here in a couple of minutes This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. (laughs) Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I am your co-host, along with the PIDOC. Hey, welcome welcome back, welcome back. Uh, Berlan, it looks like we've got a couple of calls uh, ready uh, to go ahead and jump in and get us uh, kick-started, so why don't we go... All right, first up, Progressive Jim. Hey guys, how are you? How are you? I can't tell you guys in a little bit of a blue state. But anyway, I was, I was just thinking of who was the artist 
to start up the blue state and the red state. Who was the, was it Raphael back from the uh, 16th century or which painter thought red and blue? Oh, man, this dude is red and blue. You you know, Jim, I got to be honest with you. I'm colorblind. Uh, And when I say that, I'm not saying that facetiously. I really am colorblind. But, uh, you know, people people that aren't colorblind can see it, obviously. Absolutely. The red state, the blue state. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you can be colorblind all you want. Yeah, that's true. Who picked it? Who picked it? Who picked it? You know, I don't know, but I'll tell you what. uh, Being the the doctor that I am in in education, I'm going to do some research for you. I'll see if I can't pull up some information. So just listen. Listen on. Uh, because, for the rest uh, but, of the show. But, but hold on, hold on for one minute now. Yeah, I'm in my I'm in my seventies, and I've you know voted Democrat all my life. I followed politics pretty much all my life, but I've never seen a screen where you have had red states and blue states. Hey. I've never seen that. I'm seventy years old. I've never seen it. Jim, you stumped, I don't get it. You you stumped me today, Jim. You put your thinking cap on, but uh, hey, hey, yeah, but you guys, you guys have a great weekend. <laughs> he wants to jump off the phone. Oh. All right, all right. Oh, that's right. That's right. But, but, uh, you, you can figure it out. Let me know because I can't. It, it's amazing well, well, to what? see. Guess what, Jim? I can't figure out some things either. I can't figure out who the dope man was oh, that delivered God, the dope. My God, are you kidding? Who's you the dope kidding? man? Who's but let me take let me take say something real quick. Real line, real quick. I, I had an elderly nun and she said, Jimmy, she said you realize the older you get, the more you realize the little you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's the answer got yeah. and that's the answer got true. But, anyway, anyway, but as secure as the White House is, why can't they figure out who the pusher is? Who who, who brought the dope? Well but, but what's your listen, Brunei. You you keep talking about the super cocaine. I lived in the seventies. You couldn't go down to Rush Street. The the the, the uh, Colombians are selling cocaine in every bar and every disco uh, in the city. That doesn't make it okay. I, I want to know I, who I the dope man I mean, is. I, I, I don't think nothing of cocaine. I don't think nothing. I don't think you should snort it. It's not good for your heart. But when I was a kid, everybody snorted. I don't care about Hunter <laughs> Biden. He's a crackhead. And, and hey, J- hey, Jim, I've got the, I've got your answer for you. So, uh, according to uh, electoralvotemap.com. Um, and and they uh, did their research as well. Scribner's Statistical Atlas of the United States, published in 1883, detailed presidential voting patterns for count, or by county for prior elections. Now, each map highlighted Democrat uh, dominance of the South in red, while Republican wins in the Northeast and Upper Midwest were highlighted in blue. Unsettled areas uh, without popular votes were labeled white, completing the American flag motif. So... Red, white, and blue coming from the flag, but there's your answer. I, yeah, that, well, that makes perfect sense. But, but the thing is, now it's so predominant. Now yeah. that it's you know, it well, never was in the fifties or sixties. Ever said, oh, here's a map. You know, it, 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 this is this is just uh, you know, this is for theater. It is. Exactly it, 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 it is. And, and actually, actually, Jim, one of the things I also noted was that um, uh, former President Bush was describing red states and the use of um, the networks, various uh, uh, television networks use of red and blue states uh, was replicated by the New York Times and USA Today, etc. So uh, I think it was really more brought about recently because of uh, the the, the um, reference by uh, former President Bush to red states or blue states. <laughs> Of course. Anyway, okay, guys. Thanks. That's, that's a good. Thank you guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, right, Jim. You too. And easy, thanks for calling in. We still encourage other callers or listeners to call in. Uh, we've got uh, Mitchell from Displains. Hey, how's it going there, Verlon? And what's going on? Hey, it's great. How to, are you? Great to hear from you, Mitch. Okay, so this is what uh, people are missing the point on. First of all, America is by proxy funding the war in Ukraine. 
for eight years, no one cared about their civil war, right? Number two, uh, you have the fact that the Azov Battalion are a bunch of modern-day Nazis, and the, no one has the depth, I'm talking about Democrats, to understand that Ukraine, the, the eastern part of Ukraine, your guest knows this, is, is loyal to the Russian doctrine, which goes back centuries. These are cousins fighting. And it's so funny that when Afghanistan, when sloppy Joe Biden lied through his teeth and said, oh, no, the Afghanistans are going to hold the Taliban. And then two weeks before he says the statement, two weeks later, when they attack Afghanistan, the prime minister takes off from New Mexico or Mexico or wherever he goes. Right. With twenty five million dollars. And by the way, the 84 billion that we left in Afghanistan, that's the boy, daddy O. That's why they had to go into uh, to Ukraine, because that's part of the military industrial complex. And not to mention all the backroom deals that Biden's involved with and the payoff to get you know, the prosecutor fired. You're talking about deep state level of what I call corruption. And the fact is that, Vermont, to your point, Nobody wants a war, right? No. Just for the, 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 you know, the Democrats were always against the war. And now you have Joe, which is Joe Epizzito, his nut job on CPT, right? Saying, oh, no, if, if uh, Ronald Reagan was still president, he'd be backing Ukraine. No, Trump has known for decades, really, for more than that, that Ukraine is the most corrupt country in the, in, in the nation. In the world, yeah. okay, and you can't trust them, and yet we stand here with our tax dollars. This Vermont and guess this is what makes me furious. They have the temerity to put people at what I call jeopardy. And let me tell you something: Zelensky's laughing all the way to the bank. He's embezzling. It's known everywhere that he's embezzling millions in his pocket. Yeah. And Trump said, "Look, I do not want to trust any of you uh, people in Ukraine because you're all a bunch of you know liars." And so what does Biden do? He's selling this, what I call this, uh, this BS story, this let's call a public relations message to brainwash every stupid American that, yes, we've got to get behind Ukraine. It's those dirty Russians. It's not like Russia invaded Sweden. Do you hear what I'm saying here, Daddy-O? I hear yeah. you. I yeah, hear you, you, you know, Mitch, I think, I think you raised a really great point. You know, it, the, the, the Democrats have consistently manipulated the vocabulary to control the political message. And this is just an, oh. a, another perfect example of the fact that whether it's Hunter Biden or, or Afghanistan, Joe Biden has a weak pullout game. I mean, let's be honest. He 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 he's he's a horrible leader. He can't handle his own business. He certainly can't handle his own son's business. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm I'm just terrified that the, uh, of the fact that this man is in control of the nuclear football. Well, I don't worry. Well, the about thing that. is, that's a, that's, a, that's a misnomer. There's no way they know that sloppy Joe Biden has advanced dementia and yeah. he has cognitive decline. His handlers know that. He probably has 50,000 handlers just to get him through the day. And this whole thing about the nuclear codes, it's, there's layers upon layers. It's just not one guy. That's you exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. I agree with you. You're, you're absolutely right. Both sides use that, and it's not accurate, okay? I mean, this is not strange love. I mean, the fact of the matter is that sloppy Joe Biden clearly take your politics out of it, guys. You clearly can tell that he's not someone that is responsible because he has mental decline. How can he be? He, he, he should be invoked by the what, the 25th Amendment? Yeah, 25th. I mean, you're talking about right. who's, he, cannot, he cannot do the functions and the duties of this particular role. And yet we have to sit here and listen to these radical Democrats thinking that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He couldn't, he couldn't get four people to a Howard Johnson in 2020, right? Yeah. And he went for 81 million votes. 
Yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, what they did was they took basically sloppy Joe Biden and that Fetterman in Pennsylvania, and they said we're going to take the most incompetent people, and you know what? We're going to get them to win because they did it. They totally you know, just take a pot, uh, but just take a, what I call a uh, aspect out of uh, Kennedy and Nixon in 1960. You notice how the Democrats don't want to talk about that election? Yeah, because it was stolen. Yeah, you know, Mitch, I'm I'm going to I want you to to pause there for just a second. One of the things that concerns me is that, you know, the the vice president and the members of the cabinet also took an oath of office to faithfully execute the office upon which they were about to enter, which included preserving, protecting and defending the Constitution of the United States, which includes Article 25. And they have a duty to this country to invoke Article 25. And instead of doing that, they're they're allowing the 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 continuance of this this puppet mastering, which which we're seeing clear as day. Um, We're uh, Mitch, we're going to go ahead and uh, um, thank you for the call, Mitch. Wrap up our, our, our call with you. Thank you so much for calling. We encourage others to call in. Nick from the northwest side, you saying that it goes back to Stalin. Talk to us, man. Got a minute. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to make it super fast. Uh, under Stalin, back in uh, the early 30s, when Ukrainians wanted to be independent of communists, keep in mind they were part of the USSR, also known as the Soviet Union. That was a dangerous thing to do, but they wanted to have their own country because they have their own culture. And Stalin punished them with a famine uh, in 32 and 33, where about 4 million, maybe 7 million died. So what all came down to was Stalin saturated a country and future leaders that too, what a lot of Russian people are willing tools, will easily corrupted or outrightly corrupted Ukrainians who were happy to be taken care of and 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 they put in different government positions and expect to get a little cash or else uh, their request is we get taken care of. All this stuff built up and then Yanukovych being ousted in Kiev uh, uh, just re- made people realize that he was not. All right, elected. brother. That's it. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay. We got to go to okay. our break. We'll be back with more Black and White with John Anthony right after this. This is Black and Right with John Anthony uh, on AM560. The answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm the troublemaker. Here with the PIDOP. PIDOP, what's up next? Hey, guys. Listen, we have a lot of uh, topics that we're still uh, working our way through. One of the, the next ones um, that I wanted to touch base on, and, you know, Verlon, we were talking uh, even before the start of the show about how the uh, Secret Service uh, with regard to the um, – uh, cocaine uh, that was found at the White House. They say well, they're, they're closing the case, and and um, you know they didn't find any fingerprints and this, that, and the other. But what I think is interesting is is that you know uh, in an article by Tom Ozimek on NTD, uh, he went ahead and reached out. Um, the Secret Service received a Freedom of Information Act request. Um, for records relating to the cocaine that was recently found in the White House, citing the potential for interference in an ongoing investigation. Now, the the thing that I think is strange is that the Secret Service told Bloomberg Business investigative reporter Jason Leopold that the FOIA request that he made to the agency for records regarding the White House cannot be complied with, and the, the rationale was that um, the request for information could potentially interfere with enforcement proceedings. Now, here's my thing. My question for you is, if they found no fingerprints and they said the case is closed, what else are they are they uh, searching for that could be interfered with as a result of releasing that information? They just, they're just not going to do it. 
my only question is, what I was trying to get across the gym is, who's the dope man? I want to forget about Hunter Biden, forget about the addicts. Who brought the dope? I said, well, you got cameras everywhere. Okay, you didn't get fingerprints. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But if you didn't get fingerprints, you have to have surveillance. Now, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said 500 people. They can narrow it down to 500 people. You can interview all 500 people and get to the bottom line. So I, I want to know who's the pusher. Other than that, I don't, I don't even want to hear about that, it. That's the thing that I don't get. You can't tell me that with as, as stringent as the, the log requirements are for visitors to the White House, right. for staff going in and out, you can't tell me that you can't narrow it down. Yeah. based on a scope and time frame. I mean, as a, as, a, as a former school principal, as a former superintendent of schools, I can't tell you how many times we would be able to narrow it down. It's like, wait a minute, this happened this time. Okay, oh, let's yeah. take a look at the cameras. Let's see what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's not rocket science. I know. But uh, I got another question. How do you get a Biden for a client as a dope man? <laughs> how do you get a Biden for a client? That's all I want to know. You know, maybe it was a referral from Hunter. Ooh. Maybe it was a referral. A referral? A referral, yeah. A friend of a friend. Could be a friend of a friend, you know, uh, per- yeah. personal referral. He did know. go to those wild parties. Well, that's true. Maybe, yeah. he, maybe he had a script for it. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, want somebody, you want somebody to chime in? Yeah, that'd be great. Ashley Ramos, fire. Hey, hey there. Thanks for How's calling in to Black and Right. Well, thank you, guys. Um, so you guys have hit a lot of topics today, and all of them are really... What interests me is that nobody is holding responsibility to the government, and I hold a lot of interest in there aren't a lot of comments coming from Congress. I haven't heard a lot of statements come out about the fact that Biden is now pulling up reserves, potentially sending them to Europe because of Ukraine. That was done without the blessing of Congress or the blessing of the American people. He flat out said it was done by, you know, an executive because he is the commander in chief. Um, I, I don't like the idea of him being called that because I, I don't think he's capable of achieving anything. But I just want to remind people that we have an election cycle that's actually about to start, even though it says 2024, it really starts in 2023. I, I hope that people are really taking a good look at their representatives and really decide who they're going to be supporting in this next election cycle, because it's going to matter. It's going to matter know, in a big way. You know, Ashley, you 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 got a lot of people that just vote for agenda. It's it's whatever whatever they can get out of it. That's all they that's all they care about. They don't care about nothing else that's going on. It's a lot of people that's not political. When they see it, it turns their stomach. You know, it's it, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. It's, it should be a low turnout on the Democrat side, I I think. Uh, but if they if they go after gay marriage, it, it's going to be just like abortion, and, uh, and we're going to have a hard fight. So I, I just hope it's a low turnout on their side because they can see this guy is frail and he's no good. And Trump gets us and we'll put him over and put him into the back into the White House. I sure hope so. And for anybody who's running, because we're going to be starting our announcements over the next couple months, if you're grassroots, don't give up. Don't give up. Just don't play into the system. If you got into this because you had the spirit of fighting for your country, don't stop doing that now just because someone tells you you can't win. Oh, Ashley, you know, you just gave me goosebumps with hearing that. I got to tell you, I, I can't I can't tell you how much I appreciate you calling in and, and, and saying exactly that. It really does rely on the grassroots component. And I think so many conservatives have lost sight of the fact that we need to continuously push for that grassroots uh, piece. Thanks again for thank, calling in. Thank you for yeah. calling, Ashley. 
Uh, Kip and Jim will take you after the break. Pie Uh Yeah, so uh, we're getting ready to go ahead and take a break. We're going to be uh, talking in, in the next uh, segment about uh, some some Blexit and Lexit uh, components. Uh, that recently was a uh, Georgia State rep who switched from Democrat to Republican. We're going to be tackling that uh, shortly after the break, so be sure to listen in. If you're listening and you want to give us a call in, call 312-642-5600. This is the Doc and the Troublemaker on Black and Right with John Anthony. We'll see you back here in a few. Now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Today, I'm joined with my co-host, Verlon, the troublemaker Galloway, and this is DJ, the Pie Doc, Scoogsberry. Uh, Verlon, we've had a couple of great call-ins, and uh, Kip and Jim, we um, had you stay over the break uh, so that we could take your calls. Why don't we start with Kip? Kip, what have you got for us today, man? Thanks for calling in. Yeah, hey, are you guys there? Yes, we, we are. are. Go ahead. All right, I'm on. All right, well, listen, can I get right to it, uh, Red Velvet there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, well, then I will. Thank you very much. The American people and your listeners really got to know that the seed, like growing uh, your plants in the garden, starts from somewhere. Where you are talking about what Biden has done in Ukraine and everything started when he was vice president and senator before that, the DNC. Barack Obama had the power. Who was Joe Biden said, well, you call him. Who was, who was he saying that you call him? Call who? Mm. Well, the president. Mm. So he can give him the billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Joe Biden at that time had no power to take the billion dollars away from Ukraine in the beginning. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. You're saying that Barack Obama basically had to uh, okay it. Well, and everything that's protecting the Bidens right now isn't really protecting the Bidens. It's protecting the Obama administration. Mm. Everything that was done against the president, former President Trump, began when Obama was president. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. That's you true. follow me? Yeah, I follow you. Uh, and 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 this is where we're at. And 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 ever since then, anybody that's against what the DNC and the left are doing are like Nazis and homophobes and racists. Of and course, of course. People it's... that want to go up and string in a tree. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that's Kip, I, what's being performed. You know, you know, Kip. I I think that your point that these issues go back to Obama is is really key. And if if you'll recall, he actually was interviewed. Uh, I, I believe it was a CBS interview where he was asked if if he could run for a third term. Mm-hmm. He actually said he would do it, but he would want to just be able to sit in his basement and just give directions. Well, exactly I, on I, his blueberry. Yeah. Is it, was now at that time wasn't he talking with Hillary Clinton? Who? Oh, uh, President Obama. 
yeah, during yeah. the time with the blueberry, when she was a secretary of state and had oh, you mean, her the, you mean the black, the you mean the blackberry? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, the blackberry <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Hillary Clinton's servicer, you know, all that yeah, his, she had her in server, her yeah. closet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I got you, Kip. Hey, right, man. there you go. Gotcha. Hey. Talk to you later, guys. Thanks, Love Kip. you. Thanks a, a lot, one. bro. Thank you. Have a good one, Jim from South Elgin. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing I'm well. Doing Thanks fine. for calling in. Good. It's always a pleasure. Talking about a lot of good things. I know earlier we were talking about the uh, differences between uh, blue and red states, and uh, in Chicago we have a very good example of a super Republican-led state called Indiana next to uh, Chicago and Illinois. And you can go down uh, Griffith, Indiana, Sherrillville, and all these places mm-hmm. just on the east side of the Illinois-Indiana border. All the stores are filled. There's cars there from everywhere shopping. <clears throat> Uber does a lot of business taking people from Chicago to Indiana because it's so much cheaper to buy stuff. So that means the stores are thriving there and they're dead. And the Chicago part, you know, Illinois started the Illinois side of the line. You can go to Sauk Village and uh, Chicago Heights, Ford Heights. Those places are ghosts. They're, they're ghost lands. They're wastelands. There's like rusty gas stations, car washes that all have been abandoned because the taxes got so expensive. It was cheaper to abandon the property. It was to redeem it well, and, and keep the and business Jim, going. Jim, it's not just the, the, the taxes. I mean, when you take a look at the criminal uh, rate of criminality uh, and crimes in, in, in uh, eastern, northeastern Illinois versus uh, northwestern uh, Indiana, uh, I mean, I, I lived in Indiana for a while. And I can tell you right now, I've, I've been to Sherrillville. Uh, I've, been, I've, I've been to multiple locations in Indiana. You don't see. Um, I have never worried about going even into downtown Indianapolis and, and worrying for my life. I will say right now, I refuse to go into the People's Republic of Chicago. <laughs> I, I, well, a I, lot of people. In fact, I just talked to a lady today. Of a black family moved from Chicago to uh, Decatur. To yeah, Decatur, people are leaving. Well, that's not too yeah, much Decatur, better. She said they're down there. That's not too much better. <laughs> you know, well, you, you've got declining enrollment in CPS schools, and yet the the the, the, the expenses keep going up. And until we get rid of these teachers' unions and things, and people have to quit voting for these people, it's not going to change. But part of the problem we have in the, the conservative political side of the aisle, we have too many people that all say they're conservatives, but everybody's got the, there are all these little pissing matches between people. So instead of working together, we're all kind of divided with our own little islands, and yet the Democrats are all united. So somehow we have to be able to get, put some of our personal differences aside and say, okay, this happened, this happened, but let's forget this that's in the past. As long as no, nobody got you know robbed or beat up or something, let's put aside these petty differences and work together. I can't tell you how many people I've gotten to know, and it's like this, that, and everything else is like, well, we're not going to gain if we keep up with this, keep up with this attitude. Absolutely, what? and yeah. and you know, Jim, I think you raise a really key point. We're going to actually uh, talk about this more in the next segment uh, as we talk about uh, blacks that we didn't get to in this segment. We're going to do that in in just a little bit. But I, I think what's interesting is 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 that. There has been an underlying current, uh, almost a rip current, if you will, that I think has really helped drag the Republican Party into deep water. We're going to talk some more about uh, Georgia Democrat Misha Maynard switching to Republican Party after the break. You're listening to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer, co-hosted by Verlon, the troublemaker Galloway, and yours truly, DJ, the Pie Doc Scoogsbury. Come on back, call in. Uh, the phone number is 312-642-5600. We now return to Black and White on AM560. 
the answer. Here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm the troublemaker here with the pie doc. I got to give it to you, John. He does have a great voice. But you're going to put some George Michaels in the rotation. Hey, listen, Mama always said I had a great face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to put some George Michaels. I'm going to pick a song that he can't resist. (laughs) You know, as I was driving in today, and I want to jump over to our our next topic in a second, but I got to tell you, I was thinking, because you raised the, the question, Marvin Gaye or George Michael. Um, and you know, I'm like, I, I'm sorry, Brad, I gotta go Marvin Gaye, but I, I, I was thinking about this and I, I was thinking, um, uh, I wanted to ask you a question cause you know, I don't, do you listen to country music at all? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. Garth Brooks. I, I, it's over. Garth Brooks it's or over. Randy Travis. That's my guy. Garth Brooks okay. is my guy. See, and I, I gotta go. With Even Garth. when he flipped to the other dude, the, <laughs> what was his alternate name? Uh, Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. I like that music too. I did too. That's my guy. I did too. All right. All right. Back. And the lightning strikes. Nice. I love it. Hey, uh, so, so, um, Verlon, we've been talking, uh, quite a bit, and I know in, in a couple of, of the, uh, episodes, uh, previous, you and John have talked about Blacksit and Lexit, um, meaning, um, blacks, uh, exiting, uh, Democratic Party and, and moving over to the Republican and Latinos. Uh, leaving the Democratic Party and moving over to the Republican Party. Um, I, we've got a, a, a short audio clip um, from Georgia Democrat, uh, former Georgia Democrat Misha Maynard, um, who just recently switched over to the Republican Party. I am State Representative Misha Maynard, and I represent District 56 in the heart of our state's capital. We have been on a journey together for two terms, and we've had some wins, but... There is a better path, and we can do so much more. That is why today I am announcing that I am joining the Republican Party. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Not only did she put together that video clip, but she also sent uh, a letter to uh, the American people um, on July 13th. And I, I wanted to read just a snippet of some of the things that she cites in her letter as to her rationale for switching from uh, Democrat to Republican. And this is uh, a couple of paragraphs in, in quote, I'm sure we all identified as Democrats growing up. After all, aren't all black people Democrats? I'm going to pause there. Verlon, aren't all black people Democrats? I've never been a Democrat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, here we go. Quote, fast forward 40 years later, life gets more complex and things are not so black and white. If you're lucky, God will grace you with his discernment. On Tuesday, I took a significant step to leave the Georgia Democratic Party, the party of my family and friends, to join the Georgia Republican Party. What about the next segment? Um, she goes on to say, broken dem ideas. As a lawmaker for the past three years, I realize more each day that the principles of Democrats are not always aligned with those of black people. We all saw how Democrats chose to handle the illegal immigration of Haitians during the Clinton administration, leaving black people drowning in the ocean without so much as an arm of support. We saw Democrats put nearly $10 billion into building more prisons, which made it possible to house more black people and for longer sentences with the 1994 crime bill, which I will note as a segment, President Joe Biden, then Senator Joe Biden, voted in favor of, right? 
What about now in 2023? I'm asking black Americans to ask themselves, what has a Democrat done for you lately? I don't know what Janet Jackson would say, but let me take a stab at it. Black children cannot read or perform simple math in marginalized communities. In my district, some of the state stats show as little as 2 to 3% academic proficiency. We're going to continue this conversation right after the break, Verlon, but I want to have you think about what has the Democratic Party done for the black community? You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer, with John Anthony, co-hosted currently by Verlon the Troublemaker Galloway and DJ the Pie Doc Scogsburg. We'll see you back here in just a couple. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Roland, that's for you, my friend. Cool. That's right. I got friends in low places. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560 The Answer. Co-host today, Verlon the Troublemaker Galloway, and yours truly, DJ the Pydoc Scoogsberry. Um, you know, Verlon, just before the break, I, I asked you about uh, the, the my musical question, uh, Garth Brooks or George um, George Straight, Strait. And yeah. I got to tell you, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of 90s country. I just, it just really touched my, my heart. But I want to get back to uh, the topic we were hitting on uh, going into our, our last break. And um, it's uh, part of the letter uh, from Misha Maynard, who just recently switched. Uh, she is a uh, state representative in the general House, excuse me, Georgia uh, House chamber. And she continued to go on and say in her letter to the public that black children um, cannot read or perform simple math in marginalized communities. In my district, some of the stats show as little as 2 to 3% academic proficiency the criminal justice system led by black Democratic leadership is functioning at an all-time low. We're seeing that with Kim Fox in Cook County as a perfect example. Um, under, of course, uh, uh, mayoral leadership of Lori Lightfoot and, and now um, uh, the new mayor, uh, Brand, um, what's the new mayor's name? Brandon. Um, Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson. Thank you. Um, but um, <clears throat> she goes on to say the criminal justice uh, system um uh, I'm sorry, recently the U.S. Department of Justice initiated an investigation into the Fulton County Jail reportedly after a man died from being eaten alive by bedbugs. Crime is rampant, and the Atlantans are afraid to leave their homes out of fear for their lives. Uh, she goes on to, to say, I voted to protect victims and families over lawless per- uh, prosecutors that may use their office for personal gain versus advocating for the people they serve. And uh, she, go- she goes on to close uh, in her letter um, that I'm, I'm uh, Exodus 9 9 through 14 shows that a slave mentality is normalized when you are suppressed and oppressed into thinking failure and hopelessness is better than the unknown. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I get goosebumps um, reading this, knowing that, you know, Misha Maynard had the fortitude to stand up to the Democratic Party and say, I didn't leave you, you left me. Um, and realizing that their way forward is has been so destructive uh, to so many different communities, but particularly the black community. I, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, wh- what do you see as, as the way forward for this continued exodus? And, you know, given the, the numbers, we, we talked about how the fact that uh, President Trump pulled 12% of, of uh, the black vote in the last presidential election. 
what are your thoughts uh, moving forward? Do, do we do we do you think we're really going to see a shift in numbers? And if so, what does that look like? And before I let you answer that question, I want to remind our listeners um, that they can call in and, and uh, ask us questions as well as have some dialogue with us by calling 312-642-5600. So, along with that, I'm going to toss it over to you and get your thoughts. Well, I've said this before. We hadn't had a shift like that since uh, until Trump. Before, it's always 5 to 6% of the black vote goes Republican. But with Trump, you got 12%. We have to follow Trump's lead. That's the only way we can get a shift and probably get even more because black people really don't want to work for anybody. That's why you see a lot of black unemployment. They really want to be entrepreneurs. When I was going to the barbershops and having debates, everybody wants to be an owner. People don't want to work for somebody. They want the big money. That's either owner or some big title job. You know, they'll take that. But but black people don't want to be, you know, just just working at McDonald's. Or, you know, that's for single mothers and stuff like that that, that has to do it. Right. It's really a kid job. You know, that's a kid right. job. But it's, sing- a, it's a formative job. It's not designed for a career. Right. It's not. But people have made it careers. That's why you got Democrats talking about uh, $20 an hour to work for a work, a living wage to work at McDonald's, which is stupid. Yeah. But you know what? You asked another question before the break. What has the Democrat Party done for you lately? Well, I'm going to tell you like this. I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green, whoever you call yourself. I don't want you to do a damn thing for me. I want you to get out of the way so I can succeed on my own. The most you can do for me is create an environment for people to succeed, like the 80s. In the 80s, an environment was created where, boom, industry just... All kinds of industry just popped up in the 80s. That was real growth. That was real money. We're playing with monopoly money now. Right. Okay, the tech the tech industry, okay, great. You know, you know, you got a lot of tech stuff, and I guess you can say that's real money. But this money now, we're, we're playing with that. We're playing with other people's money. Future, our kids and grandkids' money. Absolutely. You know, and, and Roland, I think you, you raise a really key point. When you take a look at the, the economic boom from the 80s, uh, we know that coming out of <clears throat> the 70s, you know, Jimmy Carter, of course, left office with double-digit inflation. Um, I Take a deep breath. Well, I'll, you can respond to me, but we know Jimmy Carter left office with double-digit inflation. I mean, I, I remember having conversations with my parents about the fact that they couldn't afford to purchase a house in the 70s while he was president because the interest rate was so high, they would they would have ended up going bankrupt. There was no way they could do it. I, I had this, I read this article two months ago, and I had it for one of the shows for me and John, but we didn't get to it. We had so many topics we were talking about. But it was an article. You can Google it and look it up, I guess, as we we're talking right now. I'll do it right Her now. name is Sarah something. But the article said, Jimmy Carter, the last financially responsible president. And then she had it. Who, who started blowing up the debt? The first person to, to go over 738 billion was Ronald Reagan at 2.1 uh, trillion. Then it was George. It was George Bush. I think he got in four years, he, he got four trillion. He made it to, no, he put another two trillion on that made it four trillion. And up and up and up. And I think she had Trump on there for six point something trillion. And then who after Trump? Oh, then Joe Biden. What he put, what he's, what he's accumulated now. So Joe Biden was the worst, 
but it's she said it started with Ronald Reagan. And she said Jimmy Carter was more financially sound than Ronald Reagan. So Google, you have you, I, I just I just pulled it up. So oh, you just pulled it up. It, yeah, okay. the lady's name is Sarah Weddington, and okay. she it was a, it was an exit interview on January second, nineteen eighty one. The interview was for the Carter Presidential Library in the West Wing of the White House, and Emily Soaps was the interviewer. And she goes on to, uh, let's see, you said financially responsible, responsible president. Um. Well, the funny thing is the interview doesn't even contain the word responsible. However, um, there are some other articles out there, and I'm, I'll continue to do research as we're having a conversation. I, I think what we need to take a look at is, you know, we had double-digit inflation under oh. Carter. Coming out of Carter's um, reign, if you will, as, as uh, president, um, you, you then get Ronald Reagan. Reagan um, said point blank as as a Republican when he left the Democratic Party. You know, he was president of the Screen Actors Guild as well. And he said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. They left me. Uh, very similar to M- Misha Maynard um, from her, uh, her letter to the American people. Um, but when he came into office, he was facing the possibility of still having to deal with the hostage crisis, which, which ended shortly after he was sworn into office on his inauguration day. But then moving forward, you know, you... You, you take a look at the, the structure of, of the federal government and where things were going. Yeah, there was a big boom, but we also had some other major issues going on um, worldwide that were starting to impact the United States financially, which led into what people have referred to as Reaganomics. We saw a major recession, um, which led to, as a matter of fact, my own, my own uh, stepdad being um, laid off. I want to make sure that we continue to have this conversation. Um, we've got uh, uh, Glenn calling in uh, with a quote from Frederick Douglass. Why don't we take that call? And okay. then, Bob, if he can hold the line and stay over till the next segment, that'd be great. Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, hi, guys. Listen, uh, Frederick Douglass said something very important. He said, knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. And boy, do I agree with that. And and I will throw a quote right back at you. It's actually in all of my my uh, closings for all of my communications. Um, an investment in education pays the best interest. Benjamin Franklin. Um, that being said, you know, Glenn, I think one of the things that um, we we lose sight of is that so many of the founding fathers and and um, historical figures in the United States have said so many simple and yet profound things. And we often lose sight of them because we fail to recall our history. And as a result, we fail to learn from it. Uh, I think the Carter administration, um, double-digit inflation scenario, where there there were more and more regulations, which is what the Biden administration has since put into play, especially with fossil fuels, et cetera, um, is, is certainly reflective of why we are again seeing so many issues with um, our, our financial status in the country. Um, again, Glenn, thanks so much for calling in. I don't, I don't think that we fail to recall our history. It's not being taught in school. We're going to have to have a debate about that. You're listening to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Co-host today, Roland the Troublemaker Galloway and DJ the Pydox Hoogsberry. Be sure to join us in the next segment. We'll see you back here in just a couple minutes. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony I am your co-host 
the troublemaker here with the Pidoc bringing the pain. Uh, before we get to our topic, Bob from Buff- Buffalo Grove. How's it going, Bob? Pretty good, Ryan. Good to talk to you and hear you. And uh, uh, good to hear you. Uh, uh, is it Pidoc? Yeah, just it's, 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 it's DJ. Yeah, no, I've I've been on the show a couple times, but uh, with John being uh, absent today, he asked uh, Verlon and I to step in and and uh, kind of shake shake the schoolhouse up, if you will. Yep. So, yeah, so Verlon for- knows me because I'm a, a regular, a frequent caller to the Dan and Amy show. But here's the topic. I don't know if I should really go here because nobody really wants to confront it because um, it's a little touchy. Go there. Go why, there. No foul language. Why, okay, here it is. <laughs> why the huge disparity uh, between the performance of black or African-American students and Asians? Nobody wishes to confront that. I mean, it's a big disparity. Is it cultural? Should I say genetic? Or is it most likely family structure? Why the disparity? Well, well, you hit it. Uh, It's two of them. Two of them, I'm going to pick two out of your category. It is cultural to a degree and family because the breakdown of the family, you know, 75% of the the fathers out of the home since what, the the, uh, 60s? That's that's no good. That's not a combination for success. So you know, Asians remember remember the big talk about the tiger mom, the tiger mom. They they don't play with the kids. Yeah, yeah. That conversation is gone, but they still practice it. That's what you have to have. What you say, Pida? Well, now here, here's the inter- interesting thing. Now, now, Bob, I'm a, a retired superintendent. I've been a, a, a junior high principal, a, a assistant principal, director of curriculum, instruction, assessment, and technology. And one of my primary responsibilities in each one of those roles was dealing with the state assessments. The what used to be the IGAP, the Illinois um, uh, General uh, Achievement. Uh, uh, protocols uh, or program, and then ISAT, Illinois Standard Achievement Test, and now it's IAR, Illinois Assessment of Readiness. The interesting thing is if you go to IllinoisReportCard.com, you can actually take a look at the snapshot on the state's website. You There is a section that actually targets in on achievement gap. And do you know, here's a scary thought, you can compare low income to non-low income. You can compare black students to white students. You can compare Hispanic students to white students. You can compare black students to Hispanic students. But in none of these figures can you compare one racial demographic group with Asian or Pacific Islanders. Mm. It's not even an option. So my question is, and we know there's a disparity. There's no question about it. I saw it as a building leader, as a district leader. My question is, why can't we see those figures? Well, look, they have a strong family unit. You do not hear about... Asian fathers being out of the household. I don't care which no. which family you mean. When when did you see a? I guess I could say this on radio. A bastard Asian kid. I I don't know that I ever had. I never seen a, a bastard Asian kid. Yeah. So that's why a strong family unit, mother father. I'm sorry, not trans mom, trans dad, mother father in the household makes a better kid, a successful kid. A nuclear family. And, and, and you know, the, this, the scary, Verlon, you and I actually were talking about this briefly, uh, just, just going into the break, um, how it, the, the absence of um, black fathers in the black community has really had a negative impact. Of course. Um, and so it is societal. I think Candace Owens was quoted in one of her speeches as saying exactly that, that the, we, if we're going to address the ilks currently in the black community, we have to address the fact that if you choose to be a baby daddy, you're choosing to be 
Uh, not anybody can be a father. Anybody can be a father. Anybody it, can it, be a sperm donor. Correct, but it takes somebody special to be a dad. That's right. Right, and so it, it's a responsibility. It's not just responsibility. It's a lifelong job. You have to be committed to it. That's right. And and I'm sorry, you know if if oh, uh, oh, okay. if um. Uh, you know we're gonna. Hey, hey, Bob! Thank you for calling in, but the the oh, super yeah. the superstar just called in the host of the show, John Anthony. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Hey, Pie Doc, get close to the mic. Are you mumbling? <laughs> um, uh, is that better? <laughs> That's much better. <laughs> oh, How you guys doing? I, well, you we're know, doing you, good. you're in Springfield and you're busting my chops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So let me tell you guys some about what what's happening down here. This new school that we're opening down here in Springfield. Um, yesterday, the media was out. We fed over fifteen hundred people. Came out and got fed. We had a, a semi truck, and fifteen hundred people were fed. Um, so many people from the community came out today. Yesterday, today, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Today, I should say. And um, as I said, we're going to be opening up a free. K through 12 um, school down here in Springfield. And my pastor Bland, he was down him, him and his wife, Karen. Now, is that through and, Grace uh, Association? From the church, Grace, the Grace Association.org. Uh, it was such an amazing time. And um, I'm, I'm glad I came, but I'm, I'm, I'm a hot mess. I'm sitting right here with Kelvin. Kelvin, say what's up. Brother. Oh, no. You done met up with Kelvin? I'm sitting right now in his Cowboy Club basement. <laughs> oh, man. What's going on, Kelvin? <laughs> Hey, what's up, y'all? Troublemaker, man. <laughs> uh, we gonna have to hook up. It's nice and cool. It's nice and cool. I was sweating. I, I don't think I can say Hebrew slave, can I? Can I, I can't say that, right? No, 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 no. Stay away from that one. <laughs> hey, hey, John. But, but, uh, but uh, hey, hey. Speaking, since we've got you on the phone, uh, Garth Brooks or George Strait? Yeah. Oh, George Strait, man. Oh, come, oh, come on, on, man. man. George Strait. Oh, see, he always got to go the other way. He had to go the other way. You know what? I know who the real troublemaker in the room is. <laughs> George Strait is, is a beast, man. Come on. He is. Come on, he man. Is. Well, he is good. Come but on. Not Garth Brooks. He can't beat Garth Brooks. Bro, Garth Brooks uh, had a dual personality. No, he did great Chris at Gaines. Both. Chris Gaines. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're too much. Uh, it fun. sounds like you guys are over there having fun. Yes, we are. You know what, John? Uh, we've got, uh, I don't know, another hour and a half, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing from some more folks. Yeah. Um, and while I've got you on the, the phone, I just want to remind our listeners, you can give a call in at 312-642-5600 to speak with uh, Verlon, the Troublemaker Galloway, and yours truly, hey, DJ, the Pydex Cooksbury. Is he trying to kick me off my own show? No, 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 not at yeah, all. I got to go. No, no, but I wanted to put a plug in so we could get some more calls on the line. So, uh but uh, in the meantime, no, we've got we got about three minutes left in this segment, and then uh, we're going to go ahead and, John, and talk well, about I do some want, more good I, I want to give a plug. I, I, hopefully, the, those of you who are listening, head over to blackandrightradio.com. Purchase the merch. Let's go. Hey, John. Hey, John, you yeah. are really down there doing God's work. When you said you fed 1,500 people, I already knew about the school. That's amazing. You, you're making yeah. an impact down there. That's an that's a impact. Well, it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's a group of people led by my pastor, Randy, and his wife, Karen Bland. They're the true hardworking uh, people who have given up uh, retirement to help as many people as they can. Uh, I, I just got to say, Joliet and Chicago, they're next. That's the next places that my um, past division of, of, of opening up free K-12 through uh, Christian education. So, wow. And, and John, right I'm now, Grace Association has uh, how many campuses are, are in? Where are they at now? Well, right now there are five. We, actually, they'll be in Mount Morris next week doing the same thing that we did here in Springfield. Uh, we're opening up one in Mount Morris. They were there last week in Elgin, where we're opening up a new school in Elgin as well. And then we still have the uh, 
uh, trade school that that'll be opening up down in uh, Shanahan. Uh, the morning portion will be for the school, the high schoolers, and the afternoon, the evening per- portion will be for anybody that wants to pick up a trade that's, um, I mean, uh, that's out of high school. Well, I tell you this much: I met your pastor. Of course, I know you. You all are going to heaven for this. You, you all will be in heaven for this. Now, these people that we talked about earlier, Joe Biden and the rest of them, that starting these wars and putting cluster bombs out there to hurt people, they got a warm place in hell. And but you all are going to heaven. Yeah, and John, I, I just want to mention for our listeners, Mount Morris. For those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's a pretty small town. It's a, 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 a southwest of Rockford. Um, yeah. And, uh, yes, so, it is. Um, and and of course, Shanahan is. Uh, Southwest of Joliet. Um, yeah, and we opening one in Florida, down Sebastian, Florida. We opening up a, a school out there as well. Um, and you know, Florida has school choice, so the monies are already allocated for the, however many students we end up with. Yeah, because the money follows the kids, correct? That's right. We need that here in Illinois. I he'd get my vote. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, thanks All right, John, a lot, John. Thanks for calling in. Have fun. See you next week. All right. Wow, uh, Verlon, we've just. We really have just tackled a just lot rolled. of different things. It has, has been amazing. Um, I know we're getting ready to bring this uh, segment to a close. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about um, a Tennessee uh, congressional representative, Tim Burchett, uh, and one of the amendments that he uh, spoke about regarding the NDAA and uh, the amendment uh, with the DEI related to uh, Department of Defense. You are listening to Black and White Radio with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer, co-hosted today by Verlon, the Troublemaker Galloway, and yours truly, DJ the Pydoc, Scoops Betty. We will see you back here in just a few minutes. Call in 312-642-5600. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. All right, all right. I can dig it. I can. He's bringing the heat. He is bringing the heat. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, this is a uh, black and white radio with John Anthony on AM five sixty. The answer, co-hosted today by. Verlon, the troublemaker Galloway, and yours truly. I said I would say my name more slowly so the audience could hear. DJ, the Pie Doc, Skogsberry. That is the Swedish pronunciation, Skogsberg in English. Um, so, uh, Verlon, just before we went to break, uh, Bob from Buffalo Grove was talking to us about um, the Asian uh, and black student uh, disparity in academic performance. And I did look it up on the Illinois Report Card website. And if you go into the... Um, discrepancy segment, um, it does not have a comparison um, with Asians with any other demographic group. You have, Like I said, you got black and white, Hispanic and white. Um, but um, if you dig a little deeper under the proficiency level, I can tell you now, again, this is only after one year of data because, of course, kids were at home. They weren't taking the state tests. Um, but in 2022, um, the average all-around performance of students in mathematics in the state of Illinois um, 25.8% of students were pro- proficient in mathematics. 6.8% of black students were proficient in mathematics. 60.2% of Asians were proficient in mathematics. And then if we take a look at uh, English language arts, uh, 28, or excuse me, 29.9% of students throughout the state were proficient. 
12.1% of black students and 58.6 students. And of course, science, which is tested in fourth, seventh, and 11th grades, uh, 50% of all students, 23% of black students, and 76% of Asian students. So again, um, you know, a, a lot of that uh, component, as we talked about, has a lot to do with the family structure. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it was a blessing or a curse. Um, uh, my dad um, remarried, and so I had a, a stepmom. My mom remarried. I had a stepdad. I had four parents. Um, the scary thing is that my biological parents' mothers were best friends growing up. Um, so I didn't get away with anything. Right. Uh, I mean, and, and if you got in trouble at school, you were in trouble with all four parents, the two grandmas, and, and my great-grandma that lived next door to my dad's mom. God. So, And she used a horsehair brush to go ahead and, and tan your hide. So, oh, God. Yeah, so the grandma didn't play. And great-grandma really oh, didn't play. Don't, don't, hey, school. don't talk about abuse on this No, no, no. It, it, it wasn't abuse. It, I know back then it wasn't abuse, no, no, but no. now what no, you're talking was, about is abuse no, nowadays. It, it was biblical chastisement. Yeah, you, well, you know. Chastisement. Can't do it now. Let, yeah, I, I want to see somebody do it now. Yeah, now earlier we were talking about um, a lot of the uh, struggles that we've, we've been seeing in the city of Chicago, and I mentioned Brandon Johnson's name. We've got Joe from Dundee who's calling in. Uh, Joe, what have you got for black and right? Yeah, I, I just want to know why uh, the Chicago, uh, the Chicago uh, school system is not good enough for Brandon Johnson's children. I mean, there are many good schools in the city, private schools, uh, Catholic schools, uh, Protestant schools, uh, you know, why is it that his kids go to school in Lombard and yet he's the mayor of Chicago? Well, he knows better. And, you know, he knows better. Put your kid you know, in some other you know, faraway suburb school that you know is going to do right by your kid. And, and, you know, he's not stupid. And, you know, Joe, I would ask you this. Why is it the case that people who teach in Chicago have to live in Chicago? Hmm. I mean, if, if you are saying yeah. that, 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 that the teaching mm-hmm. system is so poor in the city of Chicago, open it up to the rest of the state. I mean, I can tell you right now, um, Golden Apple Foundation, my wife was a Golden Apple Scholar. My two daughters um, are Golden Apple Scholars, and they have to teach in uh, schools of financial need once they, they complete their degree program to meet their obligation through the Golden Apple Foundation. It's a it's an amazing program. It's uh, power and it, money. I can it, it absolutely that. is. It absolutely is. Um, but if, if you want people to improve the system, why not open the floodgate? I'll tell you why. Because CTU is controlling everything that's going on. Every dollar. Absolutely. So that's 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 the reason, right there. What's, so what's up, Joe? You got something else for us? No, that, I mean you guys answered all my questions. Uh, you know the CTU. Uh, you know, I I mean I'm all for the eight hour workday and two days off in a row, but I think they've uh, stretched it beyond that. That's true. That's true. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Thank and you, hey, thanks so much for calling in. Um, we've got uh, Terry. Uh, we got Terry from Rogers Park come, calling in. Garth Brooks is all for the DNC. Terry, what? En- enlighten me, please. Oh, no. Well, I, I can't enlighten you because I, I don't remember where I heard it, but but I, I think I heard Garth Brooks is, is all in for the Democrat Party, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope oh, you're God, wrong, I too. Hope you're wrong too. I hope you're wrong, <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy, please. Oh, man. Love the music. Not a fan of the politics, if that's the case. Um, Terry, thanks so much. For- yes, ma'am. <laughs> you got something else for us, Terry? Oh, she's gone. Oh, she's gone. All she's right. Gone. Hey, listen, this is just a reminder to the listeners. Uh, you know, we welcome our this, this dialogue with you, and we encourage you to call in 312-642-5600. We didn't get uh, to it this segment, but... We are going to be jumping in with a video clip uh, from Representative Tim Burchett of the state of Tennessee when we get back from break. Uh, in the meantime, I want to extend um, my thanks to John Anthony for uh, 
having Verlana and I come in and co-host today. Uh, it has truly been an honor and a privilege. Um, and special thanks to uh, AM560, The Answer, for uh, allowing this to happen as well. You are listening to Black and Right on, with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Co-hosted today by Verlon, the troublemaker, Red Velvet, yes. Galloway, and yours truly, DJ, the Pie Doc, Scoogs Betty. Uh, we'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Again, call in 312-642-5600. We'll be right back. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. All right, welcome back to Black and Right Radio with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Co-hosting today, Verlan, the troublemaker, and the illustrious Red Velvet Galloway, and yours truly. <laughs> Don't DJ. bring it back. That's right, DJ, the Pydox Cooks Betty. Hey, before we jump over to that audio clip, Verlan, I, I got to say, during break, I got a text message from two of my kids who are listening to the show, and I appreciate them. Um I, I've got to give, give a shout out to my three kids, Aaron, Kirsten, and Eric. They're amazing kids. But you know, my youngest, uh, Eric, we call him EJ. Um, he, he's got a little spunk in him, and he uh, he thought it'd be funny to tell me to quit using so many ums uh, as I'm speaking <laughs> into the microphone. And I, I texted him back. I said, "Man, you sound just like my mom." <laughs> but uh, but but you know, yeah, I got to tell you, it, it's, I, I love the fact that my kids can have have that directness with me and say. Fix this. And he's like, okay, dad. Okay, dad. My youngest daughter is the same way. Every time she hears Clyborne talk on TV, um, um, she said, I can't stand it. Because, you know, I look at news all day. I can't stand it. I, I got to go. I can't take him um, um, all of the yeah, time. That, that is great. She can't so, stand it. So very special thanks to uh, to my youngest for going ahead and, and correcting his, his dad. Um, I'm sure that'll be a topic of conversation this evening when I get home from the station. In the meantime, uh, one of the I just did it again. <laughs> in the meantime, you know, people do do it for sound fillers. But in the meantime, one of the, one of the things that we were talking about just uh, prior to break was how there's been ongoing debate with the NDAA and specifically with the DEI amendment uh, for the Department of Defense funding. And Verlon, if you, if we can go ahead and get that clip played of Representative Tim Burchett of the state of Tennessee, who's a member of the House of Representatives. Oh God, not again! Not again, oh, Verlon. No, I got, I got it. Thanks, Thank Pete. You, Madam Speaker. Pete to the rescue. Our troops risk their lives and make sacrifices every day in service to our great country. Many have given their lives to defend the freedoms we take for granted, including my Uncle Roy, who died fighting Nazis in, in France during World War II. Unfortunately, our military has become a victim of the woke agenda. The federal government should focus on strengthening our armed forces, but Democrat leaders lost sight of that a long time ago. Defense leaders in the Biden administration are now focused on creating the most diverse military instead of the best military. They spend time and taxpayer money pandering to those folks because it scores political points, Madam Speaker. It scores points with the woke mob and the world is laughing at us for it. Military leaders are forcing soldiers to read books on critical race theory and scheduling drag shows on the basis of all things. President Biden requested around $150 million, $150 million in the defense budget for diversity and inclusion programs. That's the American people's money spent on this nonsense, Madam Speaker. The Biden administration is so serious about prioritizing so-called equity that no one should have a problem with my amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, which would require anyone 
who identifies as a man to register for the selective service. If these folks want to be treated like men, they need to act like men. I don't support the woke agenda, as you know. I'm fully against it. But if Democrats want to play ball, then let's play some ball. Let's see what excuses they come up with for opposing this plan that puts some real responsibility on the folks. That we're all, and we're all sick of these games. We're sick of the Democrat leaders' hypocrisy. But if they insist on going down this road, they should expect the responsibility that comes with it. Or we could toss the whole woke agenda in the garbage can where it belongs. Now, Verlon, here's the thing. I, I'm, you know what I'm in favor of? What? Every American or person who lives in the United States that benefits from the American society should have to register for the selective service, regardless of, of gender, from the age of 18 to 35, which is currently based on the Selective Service Act. Males turn 18, you have to register for the Selective Service Act, go to the post office, fill out your card, mail it in, um, and, and then, of course, you're, you're registered until age 35. I think everyone age 18 to 35, if you want true equity, if you want true equality in this country, hold everybody to the same standard. I don't, yeah. I don't care if, if if you're trans, bi, part of the alphabet mafia. I, I don't care if you're part of the, the, the uh, Fruit Loop Kazoo crew. You know, do whatever it is you need to do. But if you are benefiting from American society, you have a duty to protect it regardless of your gender. Well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, you know, because... Like I said earlier, I'm against war. I'm against war. And I think it should be a free choice if you want to sign up to be part of the military. I had to sign up for selective service back when I graduated from high school. But the recruiters was there taking the information. Sure. And we had to do it like in school and then we graduated. But I I would agree with you. I think I think at least in when it comes to joining the military, I think that you should first and foremost have the choice to voluntarily join. However, the Selective Service Act was established in, what back in 1973 um, with, with Vietnam in order to um, push for an increase in the military numbers because people weren't joining voluntarily. Um, if it's the case that somebody attacked the United States, I definitely think that uh, invoking the Selective Service Act would be appropriate. But when it comes to some of these other frivolous wars that we have seen, I, I take umbrage to it. In World War II, men ran to sign up the world's greatest generation to defend this country. I do not think that response, I'm old school. I don't think that responsibility should fall on women. I don't think, now if you just want to be he woman, she raw, you want to get out there and you want to fight. Okay. You should have, you should have the choice to do that. But I do not think that responsibility should fall on women. It should be men that stand up and fight and defend this country, but it should be your choice. And, and, and I hear what you're saying. My point is, if it's the case that the Selective Service Act remains intact, then for equity and, and equitability, both men and women and those who identify as a zebra, whatever, should have to go ahead and sign up as well. All right, we're going to bring this segment to a close. We're going to talk a little bit more about um, uh uh, Moms for Liberty after this next break. You're listening to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Tom, sure to, hold the line. Yeah, Tom, hold the line, please. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I am your co-host, the troublemaker, right here with the Pydoc, my boy. 
Why not? <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back again. Um, thanks so much for uh, joining us today on AM560, The Answer. Uh, as a reminder, feel free to call in and join our conversation, 312-642-5600. Before we jump over to the next uh, topic, we've got Tom from Blue Island holding on uh, on the line. Uh, Tom, what can we do for you, sir? Hey, buddy. Tom, How's it going, go ahead. Tom? Hey, Berlin. Yes, sir. My friend, tell Johnny wherever he's doing these schools, man, I'll send my guys out. I'll come with them. We'll load up the trucks, and we'll fix anything they need done on the roofs on these places on me, brother. Hey, he's listening. He's listening. He is, he's, he's he, listening. He, he'll talk to you about it next week when he and, gets back. And and you know what, Tom? If you can do us yeah. if, if you, you can do us buddy. A, Hey, I'll talk to you. Hey, don't don't hang up, Tom. Don't hang up. Um, and what we're, what we'll do is we'll have you give your information. Oh, too late. Yeah, he's gone. Darn it. He's <laughs> he it out. Tom, if you can call back and give your information to to uh, Pete, who's in. Uh, oh, I got his information. Oh, you have his information. Yeah, I got his. Information. That's perfect. Well, you should have passed it on uh, and remind John about that. Tom, thank you so much for that. I'm sure Grace uh, Association is going to really appreciate all of the the help that that they can get from you and any other uh, specialized contractors. So, thanks for that. All right, so Verlon, we were talking about that quote. Um, from uh, Tim Burchett, uh, state, excuse me, congressional rep um, in the House of Representatives from the uh, state of Tennessee. Um, so I, I, I get your point. I don't want anyone to have to be forced to go to war. Yeah. Right? Um, at, at, the, at the same time, though, um, the nation is only as strong as the military it has. And, and I've, I've really struggled with uh, observing um, how much... I think our military has declined in way of preparedness and and the fact that even recently President Biden indicated that we were running low on on munitions just put me over the edge. Okay, I have an answer for you. Bring back someone who can persuade people that this country's great enough to fight for. Ronald Reagan did it. Ronald, even Bill Clinton did it. Trump did it. If people were more patriotic under Trump as they were under Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan spoke better. So if you bring back patriotism to this country and you you put somebody up there that people can inspire to, somebody that we can look at and say, yeah, this country's great. It's great enough to fight for and maybe even die for. You'll get the, the recruitment that you want and need. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I really appreciate um, all, all that you, you say with that. And I agree with you. I mean, if, if you really want to make those changes, um, you know, you definitely have to start at the top. And it, it really starts with the commander in chief and having a strong leader uh, from a civilian side to run the military. Uh, and, you know, frankly, um, in my lifetime, I think there's only been a handful that can truly say I can truly say that have been really strong um, military um leaders from the civilian office of president of the United States and commander in chief. All right, moving forward. Um, recently, um, I don't know, uh, if you've seen a lot of these news articles, I'm, you know, the, the, uh, woke, uh, panel on the view has been, of course, you know, poo pooing the, uh, moms for Liberty. <clears throat> and they've been complaining that, you know, these moms are Nazis and that these moms are, are banning books and this, that, and the other. Now I will say, the, I, I, I did my research. You know that I, I do my homework when it comes to, to these things. And there have been a number of articles uh, that have come out over the last, I don't know, eight, nine, ten months. Uh, more recently in November of 2022 and then March of 2023. Uh, and then we've seen, of course, it pop up quite a bit. 
We're going to uh, get a, an audio clip going for us right after break where we listen to them being interviewed by a CNN reporter. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560 The Answer with John Anthony, uh, co-host today, Berlan, the troublemaker Galloway, DJ, the Pie Doc, Scogsburg. Be sure to join us back here in just a few minutes, 312-642-5600. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm your co-host, Verlon Galloway, the troublemaker, along with... DJ, the Pydox Ready? Uh-oh, there we go, troublemaker. Look at that. Well played, Pete. Well played. Pistol Pete is going to bring it back. I'm going to have people calling in, talking about red velvet. But I'm here with the Pydox. And the pilot got something else special for you. You know, guys, we've had a lot of interesting uh, topics that we've hit today. And the the next one we have coming up specifically addresses Moms for Liberty. There has been a real push back against them for uh, advocating for their children. Now, I will tell you right now, as a, as a parent, I advocated for my own children. I expect parents to advocate for, for their children. And if they're not doing so, they're not doing their job. Okay. I think it is our responsibility as parents to advocate for our own children. That being said, I think we, we first need to take a step back and, and listen to what these moms have to say. And then there are a number of things that I want to address, at least for a knowledge base as a, as a former superintendent, but even someone who teaches uh, education law at the university level, I want to address some key points and, and some historical facts so that we can then address this in an educated format. Uh, Verlon? My point to you is this. Why do you guys get to decide which ideas are okay for a school library? Well, first, I'd like to say that no one is looking to ban books. The Moms for Liberty certainly isn't. You should write the book. You should print the book. You should publish the book. You should sell the book. The book should go into to the public library in your community if taxpayers want to pay for it. Um, and, and so we're not advocating for banning anything. What we're talking about is curating content in a library. You wouldn't have the same books in a medical college that you would in a seminary. And just because a book is printed doesn't mean that it belongs in a children's library. Now, when you say children, what do you mean? I mean public school children, K through 12. Children do not have unfettered access to the Internet at school or movies or music. But somehow these books with these horribly explicit graphic content are finding their way onto bookshelves in public schools all over America. Let me ask you something, Uh, Tina. Would the book bother you as much if it were... Uh, a male and a female doing an, doing uh, animations that are instructional for kids to understand uh, that type of sex relation. 
So the problem with the books that our chapters across the country have concerns with, Chris, is that they are obscene. They are obscene and they are pornographic. This has nothing to do with if it's male and male, female and female, or male and female. They are obscene and they are pornographic. And you know, Gender Queer is just one of the many books. Here's My Body is Growing, a guide for children four to eight. I could read to you out of this book. It is disgusting. It is, um, it is with a man and a woman, uh, 20 years old. It is. It's not appropriate. This is for ages four to eight, and Kinder, kindergarten through third grade. And it says that Sabrina's vagina becomes moist and warm, and Marco's penis gets very stiff. Marco. All right. All right. Now, now here, here, here's the thing. Now, I, I have to clarify because I said it was CNN. It was with Chris Cuomo, but it was on News Nation. And I, I mean, I, and I apologize to the the listening audience. I mean, that just. It, I just cannot believe that someone would think that that is appropriate for 48-year-olds. Now, before we, we move forward with this, I want to I tackle a couple of historical components, all right? Back in 1872, um, under the leadership of Anthony Comstock, he founded the New York Society for the Suppression of Vice, which convinced Congress in 1873 to pass the Comstock Act, right? Now, that banned the mailing of materials that were found to be lewd, indecent, filthy, or obscene. That's a quote from from uh, their organization in written text. All right. Now Comstock after the passage actually restricted 120 tons of printed text and prosecuted over 3,500 individuals for violating this law, which included a misdemeanor charge punishable by a fine and possible imprisonment. Some of the novels that were banned right now, listen to this carefully include the Arabian nights, Canterbury tales, and authors in general, such as Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and John Steinbeck, all blocked by the Comstock Law. Mm. Okay? Now, what I think is interesting is that when we take a look at um, the decisions from the Supreme Court in case law, and there there are about, I, there's more, but I would say five or six major laws. Most of uh, a case law that, that have come out as a result of this most of the Supreme Court decisions have been based on Tinker v. Des Moines. Okay, now remember that Tinker v. Des Moines was student-free speech where kids wore black armbands uh, uh, protesting in silence the Vietnam War. All right, uh, three kids were suspended. Long and short of it is, um, it, the justices ruled in favor of the students, and they said even symbolic speech is protected by the First Amendment right as, as far as free speech is concerned. Tinker v. Des Moines. Uh, the Supreme Court used a case called Burnside v. Byers, and Burnside v. Byers established the standard by which a a a administrator, a school administrator, could use logical and reasonable sense to say, is this behavior does can it or is it causing a substantial disruption to the educational environment and the learning experience? If that's the case, then that free speech can be withheld, right? So Burnside v. Byers and Tinker v. Des Moines really laid the foundation. But if you take a look at some of these other cases <clears throat> that came out, I mean, we're talking about as early as, you know, uh, 1975, which was finally decided in, in 1982. Um, parents uh, said that books included vulgar and some anti-religious language. Five books remained. Two were taken away. The Supreme Court said in their decision School boards should not censor books because of their own beliefs, but it is argued that they may uphold, listen to this carefully, community values when deciding if a book is appropriate oh. for their students, right? Those community values... You lost me right there. 
Right. You but, lost me. Now, here, here's the thing. So your values should dictate whether or not my children should or should not have access to these different books, right? The court went on to say in that case uh, that ruling, uh, the court ruled that banning certain books based on beliefs would censor opportunities for student growth. All right. And we're talking intellectual growth. I could go on and on with a number of these different examples. But here's one of the things that I think we need to discuss. We have ratings for movies. Uh, you know, G for general audience, PG for parental guidance, PG 13 for um, parental guidance for 13 and, and under. If we can have ratings for movies, for music, for video games of all things, why can't we have ratings to give guidance to parents and caregivers so that they can say, you know what? Uh, no, this is not age appropriate for you. Etc. My question is, why can't we have a rating system for books? I I take totally a, I totally agree. I, with I mean, you. I mean, for a lot, let's let, let's let's take a look. All right, Hunger Games was um, uh, rated uh, was it PG thirteen or R? It's, oh, PG, it's PG thirteen. Right, right. Okay. Now, if it, it was designed for uh, young adults, right? 13. Um, yeah, 13. Yeah, thir- thir- yeah 13, roughly, roughly mid- middle school into, into high school, okay? The movie <coughs> rating, pardon me, reflects that. So why not set up that rating system for reading? Here's the thing that gets my goat with, you know, folks on, on The View or whatever the case may be. I did my homework, and you know I do my homework. Mm-hmm. The Back in November of 2022, um, the Moms for Liberty published a list of books that they were reviewing in the, um, uh, let's see, it was the School District of Indian River County in Florida, okay? And they work on a countywide uh, school system similar to uh, Virginia, all right? There were 155 books on this list. There were seven originally targeted for the elementary level. They did not recommend any change for the books that were recommended for elementary level. They didn't recommend banning. They didn't recommend it being unsuitable. They didn't recommend changing the level. Mm -hmm. For middle school, they recommended 25. uh, Now, this is out of 40 books for middle school. They recommended 25 be moved to the high school level. They suggested that 14 were appropriate for middle school and that one was not K-12 appropriate. For the high school level, they had four books that were copy was unavailable for review. 87, they said, was appropriate still to remain at the high school level. Four remained at the high school level with parental consent. They said four were not K-12 appropriate and four were pending review. In none of these did they indicate that they should be banned. They simply indicated that they felt it was not appropriate for K-12 for five out of 155 And books. what kind of books were they? There were a variety, but, you know, let's let's expand this conversation when we get back. Uh, this is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer, co-hosted today by Verlan, the troublemaker Galloway. Yours truly, DJ the Pydox Scoogsbury. Be sure to give us a call at 312-642-5600. We'd love to hear from you about book banning and protecting children's interests. We will see you back here in just a few minutes. This is Black and Right with John Anthony uh, on AM 560. The answer. Sub no. Stop. Stop. 
Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm Verlon Galloway, the troublemaker, here with the Pidoc. I thought Pete was going to pull another fast one on me. <laughs> hey, you know, sooner or later, if I keep coming into the studio, Verlon, you guys are going to have to come up with a song for me. Okay. Uh, we'll pick one out. Yeah, and 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 yeah, I, I told Pete I really appreciate the fact he put the Pidoc up on the monitor so people would actually know who this, this balding old old fat guy you, is. And... You, do, do you need me to take off my hat? No, no, no. You're talking about bald. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing this hat. Hey, we'll call it a cover-up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we both covered, we covered up today. So before we went to break, we were talking about how uh, Moms for Liberty uh, were getting lambasted about book banning. And as I mentioned, uh, out of the 155 books that are listed in, from an article uh, dating uh, November, I think it's November 3rd of 2022 in Newsweek, and it's free. You can take a look at it online. The one of the things that really sticks out for me is is how hypocritical number one the folks on the View are, uh, oh. because they're talking about the fact that these moms are pushing for book banning. And like I said before the break, out of 155 books that they reviewed, they said that five were not K twelve appropriate. They didn't say that they should be pulled out altogether. They just said. They were not K-12 appropriate in their opinion. Now, one of those books that they mentioned is a book called Blankets, which was written back in 2003 uh, by a gentleman named Craig Thompson. All right. And the premise behind the book is <clears throat> that the, the they say it's an autobiographic novel by Craig Thompson uh, talks about coming of age autobiography. The book tells the story of Thompson's childhood and an evangelical Christian family, his first love and his early adulthood. And there's a there's a book preview. There are 119 out of 584 pages available online. I read all 119 pages that were available. I didn't see anything in that book that I would have deemed inappropriate for high school. Now that's 119. 119 out of 584 pages. So were there some things later on in the book? I can't say. But I will tell you, one of my specialties, when I was an assistant principal, I was in charge of curriculum instruction assessment. When I I moved into my principalship, I was responsible for working with the district office um, for the junior high students. I actually had a junior high preschool combined in one building. And uh, then when I moved up to the district office as assistant director of curriculum instruction assessment and technology, and then as a superintendent, I went through the process of doing curriculum review and even curriculum appeals by parents. I actually had a mom in one of my last uh, positions where she came in and she reviewed every piece of literature associated with the newly uh, adopted English language arts curriculum. She read through every page. Now, it was an ultra-Christian conservative family, and the mom was really offended because there was a, a book about the moon landing. And there was a quote from one of the astronauts that actually used the Lord's name in vain. Gosh darn it, but not gosh darn it if you, you're picking up what I'm throwing down. This mom was so incensed, she said, this entire book should be banned. And I looked at her and I said, we need to use logic here. And by the way, here's some information about book banning. Um, and so I, having worked in the public library, having taught language arts, uh, I understand the importance of making sure that the resources selected are age appropriate, school appropriate, and and meet the community norms. 
right? That was one of the things that the Supreme Court said in their decision. That, that, so, they so, didn't say that. And that's why I wanted to start. I wanted to jump in. Let's take it all the way back. You said community values. Values, values, correct. Values, where, correct. Where, where is the value level in these communities now? We, we don't have a lot of uh, values or community values in the city or Cook County. And a lot of these uh, Democrat-ran cities, you got to think about it. Everywhere where it's Democrat-ran top-down is chaos. Chaos, mass murder, rape, robbery, whatever. whatever. You know, so you, you got to start there first. So if they're not going to let you rate the books, if you can't rate the books, how do you know what's age appropriate? But that's just that's that you. So, so that when on, you, that's just that that's such an easy solution. Uh, they won't let you because they tried. They tried in a couple of schools in the suburbs and the city. And they said the library said, no, we're not going to rate uh, somebody. I don't think Dan and Amy did a thing about it. So if they're not going to let you rate the books. But wasn't wasn't it Congress that said that we had to create a rating system for movies? Wasn't it Congress yes. that said we had to create a rating system for, for music, video games for and music, for music and, yeah. and identify explicit but content? Why not? Right now, Democrats hold the Senate. It will never yes. pass. It will never pass. So, and Democrats want it to be this way. They want the inclusion. That's part of inclusion and diversity. Well, equity, you can leave that out of this. But diversion and inclusion, that's their agenda. Well, and they some, want it like this, so they're going to leave it. And to, some, would, some would argue perversion for that matter. Well, yeah, of course it's perversion. and But they're going to leave it up to the discretion of the teachers and the principals. So I ask again, I ask one more time, what's age appropriate across the board for everybody? What's age appropriate? You can't say. I mean, you can and I, I probably agree with you, but I had this debate on progressive radio with a bunch of people. What's age appropriate? And uh, there's one guy, he, he, he was gay. And then he said, I knew I was gay at five years old. I was like, dude, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, but if you say so, okay. So he, me and him met in the middle. He thinks it's age appropriate at about 12. I said 16. So I don't know, between 12 and 16, but I, don't, I, I wouldn't want my 12-year-old reading any of these books i think right. it should be 18 really from my heart but if i'm gonna meet in the middle like a like a politician i would say 16 well and and i, I know we've got uh, <coughs> pardon we've got mark on on hold uh, waiting to chime in to answer your question um i think if we can identify what is age appropriate for um children uh ages birth through 18 for music and for movies and and for uh, video games I can't understand why we cannot establish a similar rating system for printed material. Now, that being said, you raised the question, what is appropriate? Well, I think we have to take a look at the social, <coughs> pardon me, social emotional development of children. And it just so happens my dissertation work focused on adolescence and social development. And there was research by George and Alexander and Silverberg and Kohlberg, who are uh, some, some psychs and social work. Uh, specialist. And there's three levels um, in social development, pre-conventional, conventional, and post-conventional and principled. All right. From those three, there are six stages that break out and it's usually stage one and two at the pre-conventional level, three and four at the conventional level, and then five and six at the post-conventional and pr uh, principled level. Stage one is that little kid where it's punishment and obedience. I'm going to behave because I'm afraid of being punished. <coughs> That's not in the cards anymore. No. 
Stage two, individual purpose and exchange. I do this, I get that. If I'm good, I get candy. If I'm good, grandma will buy me a matchbox car from the grocery store. All right. It is a quid pro quo mentality. And that's, you know, normally ages four, five, six ish. Stage three is mutual interpersonal uh, expectations, right? Meaning that you've got, um, there are social norms, goody, goody attitude. There's a desire to please others, understanding between right and wrong. And there are social norms. Stage four, um, which is uh, social system and consciousness, you do your duty. There's an understanding and acceptance of the social order. There's a sense of law and order and morality. Then you've got stage five, which is prior rights and social contract. There's a commitment to relative social order and rules may be changed if needed, right? And that's usually when you start seeing an understanding of that late adolescence, right? And then stage six, actions determined by conscience, self-chosen ethical principles as a principled conscience. That's stage six. Now, through the research, George and Alexander ascertained the moral development level of middle school students, noting, number one, some will demonstrate a predominance of stage one, which is punishment and obedience. They're afraid of being punished. Near age 10, some begin to enter stage two, which is that individual purpose and exchange, right? That quid pro quo. Middle school students are typically thought to be in stage three. So we're talking like 12, 13, 14 year olds, right? Stage three, again, mutual interpersonal expectations where it's uh, commitment to relative social order rules may be changed as needed. Mark, we want you to hold the line. We want to get to your call on book banning. Um, you're listening to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer, co-hosted today by Erlon the Troublemaker Galloway, yours truly, DJ the Pydox Cooksbury. We will see you back here in just a couple minutes. Be sure to call in 312-642-5600. And now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm your co-host, Perlon Galloway, the troublemaker, here with the Pie Doc. Pie Doc. Hey, guys. I, I, I want to respond to what you said. Go ahead. Sean Thompson said this last week on one of his shows, and it stuck with me. Achievement and accomplishment. Those are values. And you can't receive any better values than when you've achieved something. You know you've done it. It wasn't a participation trophy. It wasn't given to you. You weren't passed on. Mm-hmm. You achieved it. You accomplished it. You will keep that value for the rest of your life, and that will help you succeed. So when you said uh, punishment, basically punishment, you know, you get something good. Mm -hmm. As long as you do right, you got to teach your kids values, those type of values. And they'll they'll be good people. They'll be good citizens. They They will contribute. People that's given something like welfare, they'll never contribute. They'll always have their hand out. 
waiting for the government to give them something. Well, that's because the government is in control raising the children instead of the parent raising the children. Well, that's true. And it, it, that's a nurture versus nature uh, component. Mark, we've been keeping you on hold, and we're going to get back uh, to, to talking more about book banning. Mark, what have you got to, to throw at us for black and white? How you guys doing? It's Mark Wiremore, Man on the Street. You might remember me. I was in the studio last week with Verlan and John Anthony. Quick plug here. Uh, besides Trump and Tucker speaking today in Palm Beach, uh, I'm going on the boat cruise with John Anthony September 9th. I don't know if you guys have talked about that. September 9th. Save the date. Also, I just bought a new T-shirt from BlackAndWhiteRadio.com. So I'm re-entered in the contest so I can maybe get in the studio again. Which, so one, which shirt did you buy? I got, uh, now I'm trying to remember. It, it just says, oh my gosh. I got. I actually got two. I got the golf shirt and I got another one that, uh, you know, I got to look it up. I got to call in next week and I'll tell you how's that. <laughs> all right, that all sounds, right. No that problem. sounds good, Mark. All right, Mark, you wanted to, to hey, chat. Go ahead. On the Real quick on the book banning, I don't want the government to start a new organization, another layer of government that's going to rate books. So in 1929, they banned Hemingway's the sun also rises because Jake Barnes was supposedly impotent, very subtle thing in the book. In fact, I think they don't even mention it. Mm-hmm. So, but what you guys, if you get back to talking about what they're talking about in the book banning is this stuff that's teaching sex ed. And that's where the monster Liberty and other groups, they just don't want this graphic sex ed exactly. and different things taught in the school. Exactly. So that's, that's my main point there. So I'll let you guys discuss it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I uh, enjoy you got your, uh, the new, Tell me your name again, DJ the Pie Doc. DJ the Pie Doc. Now I got the nickname Pie Doc because I earned my doctorate in, in educational leadership on March fourteenth of twenty eleven. I was a middle school math teacher and a college level uh, math instructor, and I figured if I had a choice between March fourteenth and March fifteenth, why wouldn't the math geek in me choose uh, Pie Day? So I got my doctorate on Pie Day of twenty eleven, and so there came the nickname the Pie Doc. Um, but uh, yeah, so there you go, Mark. Mark, thanks so, thanks so much I for calling in. I want to meet you in. on the boat cruise. I'm looking forward to it. I wasn't able to make it last year because I got uh, sick, unfortunately, but I'm I'm planning on going this year as well. So it, it'll be great to be able to see you and Red Velvet uh, come walking through the doors. Yep. Oh, Red Velvet, you go, go bring it back. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back, the troublemaker. Mark, thanks again so much for calling in. Uh, Dave uh, from Racine, Wisconsin, uh, is, is asking, can the material be read on the air? Um, Dave, are you there? Yes, sir. I, so I figure if we're going to have a standard, you know, at least one sta- uh, start, a beginning standard, why not have it where if the material can be read on broadcast over the air broadcast, um, why can't you know? And if they can't, why should it be appropriate for uh, children? You know, I mean, there's a, you, you've you. already got a, a standard that's read, uh, you know, set in place. But I've heard I I can't take original thought for that where. In discussing this material, uh, several radio personalities have said, "I can't even read this on the air, or I'd, we would be losing our uh, FCC license." Absolutely, no, absolutely, absolutely. You, you're absolutely uh, right, Dave. And you know, um, as far as the the books that were deemed as not appropriate for uh, K twelve, um, there were five on that list of the hundred fifty five that the uh, Moms for Liberty. We're mentioning the first one, Blankets, uh, by Craig Thompson, which I, I, I mentioned. Uh, that was the one that had the sample online. Um, but the others include Triangles, Girl to Girl, Gone Girl, and Dio Gratias, uh, A Tale. Uh, I have not read any of those books. I actually, until I started doing this research, had never heard of them. 
but I think it goes to your point that if if they can't even be read on the air because radio stations would be shut down, you already have a standard, like you said, and I think that's a great point. I appreciate you calling in, Verlon. If adults can't listen to it on air or it be played on TV, like regular TV, not not HBO and stuff like that, then it shouldn't be it shouldn't be taught to kids. It was a mother, a few mothers that's been going to school uh, board meetings around the country, mm-hmm. and they would stand up and read the book, read words out the book, and they get shut down. Well, did you see the they shut the, them down? Did you see the the young man uh, in middle school? Uh, who went to a school board meeting and was reading material from oh, the yeah, book. Yeah. It was amazing. All right, folks, uh, we are going to be heading into our next segment in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we'd love to hear from more of you. Call 312-642-5600. You are listening to Black and Right with John Anthony, co-hosted today by Verlon, the Troublemaker Galloway, and yours truly, DJ, the Pydoc, Scoogs Betty. Come on back. We will see you in just a moment. We now return to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. Here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and White with John Anthony. I'm the troublemaker here with the Pidoc. Pidoc, you want to take, take this last call? Yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and go to Michael on the south side. Michael, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for taking my call, Verlon. What's going my on, doc, Mike? It's good to talk to both of you. All right. There's one aspect. There's one aspect about the whole book ban debate that I find especially disgusting. You know, the the American left really does not debate this issue when this, this issue in good faith. Have you noticed that whenever you read about the book banning issue, you know, some liberal writer always mentions like classic American novels by the great Gatsby, making writers look like jerks. But those articles never address some of the uh, uh, graphic garbage targeted to uh, kids. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of the problem. Absolutely. And, and, and we, we also need to take into consideration, Michael, um, the, the timing of, you know, when some of these books have been banned. You know, if, if you recall, um, uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, written by Mark Twain, were banned for many, many years under the Comstock law um, because of the... Uh, use of racial epitaphs uh, in it. And so <clears throat> given that I, I think it really is is reliant on societal values at the time, which help guide what it is that's going on. That being said, I don't know anyone in the right mind who's a, a parent or caregiver of a child who would think that it's it's appropriate for them to be exposed to what I would say is nothing shy of, of soft porn. You, you will be surprised. I, I talked to a lot of over the years, a lot of single mothers and other people, they say they see it anyway. This, this, is, this is their excuse. Well, they see it anyway on TV. And they just brush it off just like that. Well, they see it anyway. Well, but that, that's a parent abdicating their responsibility. Right. But, and and I, I think there's a difference. Now, I think one of the other differences, though, and, and I appreciate um, one of our previous callers who said, you know, we don't want to create additional, um, you know, government oversight, et cetera. And, you know, with having having ratings. I, I mentioned having ratings for books similar to movies and music and video games because, you know, those started coming out in, in the, the movie ratings anyway, started coming out 70s uh, into the 80s. Um, but one of the things that, you know, has stuck in, in my mind, Verlon, is how the ratings inform the parents of what the suggested appropriate age level is, and then they still leave it to the parent 
we're saying that this is probably not age appropriate for anyone under they 18. However, you as the parent still have the right and authority to go ahead and buy a video game that includes shooting up and stealing. Why and are you whatever. talking common sense in a crazy world? They won't <laughs> let that happen. Listen, I need you to write those words down so that I can take those home to my wife. Okay, you know, but listen, think about this. All the households with young parents that listen to vulgar music mm-hmm. around their kids. Think about oh, yeah. think about all the stuff that they hear on rap songs. Now you an adult. Listen to it. Go in your car, listen to it. Go to the park and listen to it or whatever. But you're listening to that music around five, six, seven-year-olds. What do you think they're going to grow up thinking? Right. You know? So, it, it is, like I said, it's a crazy and, world. Well, and I, I got to tell you, I mean, growing up, my, I, I mentioned at the very beginning of the show today, my parents were extremely strict. I mean, there was no way. I, I mean, back in the day when Z95 was still on the air and, Z95. And, and Alan Cable was the night disc jockey and he would start getting slightly vulgar. My mom would say, turn that off. And I'm like, but he didn't say anything. She's like, innuendos. That's all it was. Innuendos and they were inappropriate. Turn it off. She would make me turn off the radio. I was like, mom, I'm in the middle of, of cutting a, a cassette so I can record this song. Turn it off. But the difference, though, is, I mean, my parents held me to a standard. My son when he's got his own Spotify playlist and stuff, and when we go driving, he plays some some songs, and I'll just look at him and say, I, "I'm done listening to this. You need to change this to another song. I'm tired of the f bombs." But well, I grew up in a whole different environment. Yeah. I, I I grew up in a crack house. They didn't care what they played. Right. You know, the, I had I had step brothers and everything else, and people played rap. Right. Rap right. music. I was the only person in the house that played rock, and they thought I was an oddball. Or country. I, Country, I kept that to myself. I kept, kept it, it on the down low. Yeah, I kept it on the down low. But I used to play rock music, but I played it on the big screen and it was the big hair bands back then in the 80s, mostly oh, yeah. until it flipped over to Nirvana. But but everybody played rap uh, rap and all the crazy type of music with the vulgar tunes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people are subject to different environments. You know, Verlon, I when we come back from the next break, we've got... Uh, David on, on the call from Lansing, but when we come back from the next break, I want to make sure we extend the conversation about video games because we had a oh, conversation sure. during break yeah. uh, about my son playing video games, uh, and, your, your your kids, etc. David from Lansing, you got a couple questions about PTA meetings. Go ahead. Uh, hey guys, hey Verlon, making What's trouble going on? usual, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Coming in medium from Illinois. It's a mid-sized state, right? That's right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I, I got an idea to um, checkmate the, pe- the proponents of these books that do not belong in these K through 12 programs uh, during a school board meeting or a PTA meeting or whatever. The people that are proponents of it, you you ask them, not you, but this is these are ideas for conservatives to go in there and checkmate them right away. So you ask them right off. Would, do you have children, yes or no? So if they say no, then, then you say, like, well, then you may not understand that this is going to affect my child negatively. So you go to question two, if they say yes, if they have children, would you, sir or ma'am, allow them to buy a Hustler magazine or a Penthouse magazine? And most of them are going to say no. If they say yeah, they're crazy, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be pointed out as such. And, and David, David, as a former, I appreciate you calling as a former superintendent. I'm going to address that point and a specific incident I witnessed as a superintendent. When we come back, 
This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560 The Answer, co-hosted today by Verlon the Troublemaker Galloway and yours truly, DJ the Pie Doc, Scoogs Betty. Be sure to give us a call in 312-642-5600. And if you haven't written the date down yet, our boat tour, September 9th, we will be back shortly. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560, The Answer. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see through. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560, The Answer. You're joined today by co-hosts Verlon, the troublemaker Galloway, and DJ, the Pydoc, Skooks, Betty. Thanks so much for joining us again. We welcome you to call in. We've got uh, about five minutes or so left of the no, show. No, we got four minutes well, and 15 seconds. My bad. That music right there is going to get replaced with some George Michaels. Oh my gosh, stop it. <laughs> if you want to give us a call, you still can. We've got a couple minutes. 312-642-5600. Now, you, I, want, you want to talk about an incident that I do, yeah. I do. As, as superintendent, you know, we just had, um, was it Mark that was our last caller? Uh, they, they called in and we're just talking about, um, you know, giving kids access to porn. Well, I got to tell you, when I was a superintendent in the Southwest uh, suburbs, <clears throat> I had a young adult librarian from the local school, uh, excuse me, from the local library come in and do a presentation to my middle school students. And I uh, sat in, listened to the conversation. And this individual actually had the audacity to tell, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old students that if they wanted to access a variety of periodicals, such as one that the last caller suggested, um, but they didn't have access to them at home. They were welcome to come to the library and they could have a, a private, quiet place where they could review those materials. And I immediately stopped the conversation, looked at her and said, thank you, but you're done. Bye-bye now. I was so incensed. Now, here's the thing, Verlon. As an educator, that was not just my responsibility. It was my duty because educators are charged to act in local parentis. Now, in local parentis means on behalf of sane and rational parents. And I don't know any sane or rational parent that would purposely look at their kid and say, here, here's some porn, check this out. That, And if I had not stepped in, I would not have been doing my duty to my students. Now, I want to I want to touch base about the the video game piece cuz oh, yeah. we we talked during break. My son plays, you know, various shoot 'em up games and this that and the other and, you know, I I mean he's he's well-rounded. He doesn't he doesn't go out and and do stupid stuff, but that's because he knows his mother and I would place our our, our feet so far up his backside he'd be tasting the jam on our toes. And like I told you, I got a friend. He's got four, he's got three boys. Mm-hmm. And all of them play Grand Theft Auto, one, two, three, four, however many it is, and shoot them up, kill them up, and all, and 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 his up to five, and all of his boys are well rounded. One is in the military; he's married, has a wife, he does great. Uh, the other one pretty much uh, stays at home and 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 helps him mm-hmm. until I guess until until the economy gets better. And then he has another one that's seven. But they all play video games. Now, Mitchell calls in and talks about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Like Mitchell says, between video games and drugs, getting high, you know, uh, makes these young boys not appreciate life. And that's why they mimic it and go into the streets and shoot people because they don't have any feeling towards anybody. I, I, th- I think there's a lot more to it than that. I think there's been so much of a change in, in our societal structure where uh, there there is such little empathy 
in in our society, let alone sympathy. Um, it, it, it it's just sickening. And I mean, you, you mentioned you know kids getting high. I immediately thought of the song because I got high. I mean, I'm sorry. And Pete, I'm not asking you to to to, to play that song for us on the way out, but. I do want to make sure we've got about a minute left on, on the, the show. I want to give special thanks to John Anthony. Um, give a shout out. Uh, again, the boat uh, show is going to be on September 9th. Uh, take a look at the website. Very special thanks to the leadership at AM560, The Answer, for allowing Verlon and I to come in. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure co-hosting today with you, Verlon. And I want to give uh, a special thanks to uh, Pistol Pete Schuler, uh, Always. Guy, guy that's been in, 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 in the lockbox in the back, keeping us in order. It has been an absolute privilege sharing this information with you all. Be sure to listen in next week for Black and White with it on uh, with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. This is the PyDoc out. Verlon. See you next time. It's been a pleasure. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.